This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 20. I'm John DiCarlo. It's Kyle Gauss and I just carrying home the show today. I should say, in the interest of full disclosure, Javon Edmonds and Caden Steele had planned to record with us today, but we were impeded by a fire alarm in my building. No, we don't. Don't love me in with this. You were you were <laughs> yes. impeded by a fire. Alarm. I literally had to uh, leave the building, come back, and that messed up everyone's schedule. So, just do you remember like out. fire alarms when you were a kid and like they'd take you out on like lines and you'd be like, oh, I hope we're next to like a cool class. Like I hope yeah. next to like, a class like my buddies are in. Yep. In yeah. college, did, did like now? Do you just go and like get food during the fire alarm? Yeah, you just wait outside. I caught up with, uh, caught up some people I hadn't seen in a while. I would use it as like any opportunity to be like, oh, I was going to eat healthy today, and then oh, the fire alarm happened. I had to get a lot of food. Got three, like, three shrimp burritos. Yeah, can't it just was like get yes- one. Yesterday, I took we took Jordan to go see Santa, Jordan mm-hmm. and Haley, and like that went the way you would expect. And I just used that as an excuse to be like, now I'm going to eat Master Walk. <laughs> <laughs> what mall was this at? The Willow Grove Mall. Yeah. Is the Master Walk at the Willow Grove Mall still as great as everyone remembers it to be? It was fine. Yeah. And like, so we go there, and Meg gets the one one entree combo. I was like, Meg, what are you doing? I was like, for like 80 cents more, they give you another entree. <laughs> you slap the barbecue chicken and the, the general salad chicken? chicken. I did barbecue and general salads, but the barbecue was okay. I shouldn't have done it. I feel like any in any mall, the sample was bourbon chicken. Bourbon chicken? Yes, I agree yes. with that. I, I have a vivid memory of a field trip when I was like 12 of just doing laps around the Exxon Square Mall and like getting like 45 samples of bourbon Exxon chicken. Exxon Mall, by the way, is uh, the shell of itself. But yeah. I think all malls are. Yeah. But like Exxon, they were going to film Mall Rats too there. I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. I think they pulled out the last second. Really? Like, we don't want to uh, boost this economy. You know, my mom said the other day, she's like, I miss Waterloo Gardens. I said, talk to Kyle at some point. He has oh, yeah, I'll tell you all Gardens. about Waterloo Gardens. Oh, okay, I love Waterloo Gardens. Waterloo Gardens led to a, a lot of advancements in my life. But for the most part, it was, <laughs> it, yeah, they they treated their employees like crap. Yeah. Some guy once tipped me a come to Jesus card. It looked like a $20 I, I loaded 30 things of mulch into his car. He hands it to me. I thought he'd give me 20 bucks. I say, thank you. I'll wait till leave. It opens it up. And it's like, I come to my church, come to Jesus thing. Uh, I was going to lose my mind. Mm. Well, anyway, we're off to a great start. Uh, what does the extra mall have to do with temple sports? Absolutely nothing, but Hey, got some uh, temple basketball to talk about. None of it all that great. Got some uh, football recruiting updates. And again, we'll remind you guys, we're a week away. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So a week away from uh, National Signing Day, the early signing period in December. So we'll have uh, we'll continue to be your best source for recruiting information. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod. Got a couple mailbag questions. Let's start with this Temple basketball team. They've been up and down this weekend. The down version of it, full disclosure, Chelsea and I were out of town on a trip. I didn't see a minute of the game, but I know it wasn't good. A 77-57 loss. The Penn Temple, of course, had a share to win uh, the, the Big Five title outright. Instead, they lose by 20 points. No field goals in the last eight minutes. A lot of the same things. Uh, Jordan Dingle goes off uh, goes off for 30 points. Bad defense. 
they did the one thing down the stretch that they hadn't been doing, which is, you know, they had been figuring things out in the second half, been playing, you know, some sluggish first halves, and uh, Saturday was just not the case there. Um, so, I mean, I know it's, we've kind of said, are we having the same conversation every week about this team? They had been on a bit of a winning streak, but to lose by 20 to a, a Penn team that was without one of its top scores, not a good look. Your thoughts on this one, Kyle, just a recap of it, and then I'm going to ask you how you think or if you think this thing can be fixed. Yes, yeah, nothing screams good radio or good podcasting like recapping a loss five days later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it's kind of, un. it sounds weird because, you know, they're a mediocre to kind of okay team, but like it was almost an uncharacteristic loss in the sense that, yeah, they never had that, that second half adjustment that they had for the last you know three weeks before that they weren't turning pen over i mean jordan dingle had five turnovers but everybody else on the team had two combined like they only had seven turnovers as, uh, as a team if you're pen versus 14 for temple i just think from the x's and o's standpoint there weren't adjustments i mean they were getting beaten with you know backdoor cuts uh pretty consistently but i think the, the more concerning thing is they got punched in the mouth and they just crumbled i mean mm-hmm. i i feel I talked to uh, another podcast yesterday, Sean McGady's uh, I'll Be Back podcast, um, about how I think there's really a lack of leadership on this team at times. I don't know if that falls on the coaching staff or if that falls on Caleb Battle or if that falls on Damian Dunn or whoever it might be. I think that might be where you miss Jeremiah Williams more than anybody is. When they got punched in the mouth last year, Jeremiah Williams was kind of the one to, to calm them down and be able to, to punch back. And so far, uh, they've haven't really shown me the ability that they have the ability to do that when things are going good and like they get off to a hot star and the air team is kind of like kept in check temple has enough talent to beat a lot of teams on schedule when things are going bad temple has the ability to lose to wagner richmond penn uh-huh. uh, a vcu team that lost to jacksonville like the next day like they beat them but like those, those wins aren't really looking as impressive as they might have a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. so concerning is how i would describe it yeah like you've said in our just in our conversations among our staff they don't they don't seem to deal with adversity well. And it's, you know, like you just said, when things are going well, they can be cruising. If certain guys are finding a groove, whether that's Jamil Reynolds, whether that's, you know, for two straight games uh, against LaSalle and VCU, it looked like Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle knew how to coexist on the floor together at the same time. You know, Dame had 17 points in each of those games. Last two games, six points against St. Joe's, eight against Penn, he shot five of 17 in that span, one of five from three. Um, I mean, turnovers have been an issue. They've gotten a little bit better, but they it looks like they're back to some of the same stuff. Like you said, first time of adversity, they crumble. Where is the leadership? I know that's like a common fan thing to say, but it's a legit, legit question. In this case, do you honestly think they can make it, make it work here where we're obviously in a perfect world anybody could say yes you want Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle on the floor together at the same time they're both pretty good offensive basketball players Temple has been trying this thing where they've said okay Caleb we're going to put you on the opposing team's best player to try to keep you engaged I guess but yeah I was talking to Javon earlier about this before we recorded again because I didn't see a minute of the game on Saturday but you know yes there were some things where it you know, he said uh, Jordan Dingle was coming off of screens. It wasn't always just a straight matchup thing. It took him a while to get going. But I don't, I just don't see a handle on how they put the pieces together here. And it's, yes, we're still not into January yet, but I don't think that's an excuse anymore. Like you can't, 
you can't lose to an undermanned pen team by 20. And there are so many more questions than answers. Do you, you know, what is Jaleel White's role here? Can Dame and KB exist on the court at the same time? Um, what is, you know, what's the bench rotation? I mean, yes, Nick Jordan looks like he can be a small ball five. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just. <laughs> you said something there that concerns me, John. You said the. Uh, or they, they're trying this thing where they're putting battle on the best player to keep him engaged. You shouldn't have to try to keep an that would be my that would yeah. be my that's my assumption. I don't think that Aaron McKee has said that, but why? I guess I'm why why is that the case? Because uh, there, were, I think it was after the VCU game where Damian Dunn said, "Hey, we used to make fun of KB last year because he said he didn't guard, but he's gotten a lot better defensively." Uh, look, I'm not blaming him for. I'm not blaming him for for Jordan Dingle going off on 30 point for 30 points is never one person's thing. But I guess I'm just curious as to like why they're putting him over these last few games on the opposing team's best player. Like why wouldn't that assignment go to consistently like Jaleel White, but you're bringing Jaleel off the bench. I, I just don't see, I mean, if, handle if, on if, how this works, like how like mid December, they're still struggling with lineups with, you know, obviously the, the most obvious thing is you just lost a pen by 20 and Penn was without one of its best players. Not a good look, but I don't see the roadmap for how this thing gets better in the future. It could, but I just I don't know what to think. But in, fair, in fairness, the the four a lot of its recency bias, right? Because in the four games before that, they were holding opponents to an average of like sixty sure. points a game. So like sure. they were playing like good defense. Granted, were those teams world beaters? No, but like neither was Penn. Um, and like they were playing defense fine. I, I think KB is honestly kind of like the not the least of my concern, but like not the he's not drawing all my um, my ire at this point because I think there's times when the rest of that offense kind of just takes a step back to him and lets him try to do things. And when it's going yeah. great, it's going great. And like they, I I think it has to almost come from the top down where McKee has to tell them like. We're not going to play everything through KB. We're going to have to try to get the ball through Dame instead of just kind of like letting them do their things at times. And I don't know if there's an easy solution because there's not a there's not a magic wand you can wave and you go poof. Now KB's on Louisville instead, and the offenses has to figure things out. Like they have to play both, and they have to try to figure out to get going both going at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking for like glimpses of optimism and yeah you look at like that two game stretch where kb was averaging 25 points a game and dame was able to get 17 a game and you go from there and oh they can do that but instead they're back to the drawing board and they need to they've essentially put themselves in a spot where they're going to have to win like a, a handful of those games in january that they probably don't have a great chance at winning yeah i mean does it come down to that at this point like where you have to i i, I agree with you i can't see any other way Obviously, if you catch fire at the right time, that's the magic of college basketball. If they catch fire at the mm-hmm. right time in March, they win the conference tournament. It's a hell of a story. People look back and say, wow, this team was left for dead, so on and so forth. We get that. But if you're talking at large, they have to they have to beat the Memphises and the Houstons of the world, and we just don't see, you know, this is, and again, this is, this is very much the least of their concerns. But even a guy that was supposed to, maybe help you off the bench when things got stagnant. Shane Dazoni just hasn't happened yet. And it's Aaron said, I think after the, I think it might've been after the VCU game, one of the recent games where he said, that's on me. I just, it's a feel thing. I have to get him minutes. It's not necessarily something he's not doing, but he didn't play at all against Penn. Again, I'm not saying if Shane, if Shane Dazoni plays that they, Shaney, 
Shane Dizoni. That's his hockey player nickname. Uh, yeah, Shane. Uh, I'm not saying that if Shane Dizoni plays on on Saturday that they that they win. Again, there were obvious breakdowns. Again, no field goals in the last eight minutes, which is pretty staggering. You talked about a lot of just the the mistakes on the back end of the defense, but I, I don't. I, I just don't see. It, it, I just don't see anything that's, again, you're right, it's recency bias, but how do things go that horribly wrong when, again, a Big Five title is not going to get you an NCAA tournament berth. We've already acknowledged that the Big Five is not what it used to be. But at the same time, when that's on the line, would be a nice feather in your cap. You just completely lay an egg. Yep. And you just absolutely just you're you're you look again I, I talked to a couple other people who saw the game and I, I would ask the same thing of you were there stretches where they just looked disinterested and couldn't couldn't get things going yeah the entire second half of the second half they, they looked disinterested i mean the most interest they showed at one point was jameel reynolds getting snippy with with the pen bench mm-hmm. i mean i think that just comes back to the, the leadership and the handling adversity aspect of I think they kind of, this sounds grosser than I mean to, I think they kind of spent their load getting back from that eight-point deficit that they were in the second half. And mm-hmm. then once Penn punched back from that, it was, well, that's all we had. Mm-hmm. Like, we had that in our tank. We had the ability to kind of focus for that three-minute stretch where where they overcome it. And then following that, it's, mm-hmm. like, I just don't think they have that guy that kind of, like, forces them across the line that Jeremiah Williams did at times. If you're an optimist, which I guess I'm forced to be an optimist in this scenario, a calendar year ago, they were in this exact same shape, right? Like a year ago to the day tomorrow. So today, when you listen to this, was the day they lost to, at UCF by like 20. They were six and five at that point. Mm-hmm. And then they reeled off seven of their next nine without KB. And then they were kind of in that situation. The The more realist and the pessimist from that statement would say, well, that was a year ago. And this was supposed to be the year that they had taken that next step. And they don't have to do that. And I completely agree with that. But the reality is that they essentially need to try to mimic that same stretch where they win like seven of their next nine, get to 13 and seven, and then hope that you kind of can collect a couple uh, trophies along the way with Houston, Memphis. Uh, I guess maybe Tulane at Tulane might be a good win. Um, the opportunities for good wins are that you can probably count them on like one hand at this point, and they need to win four of them to have a chance in that large. Yeah, so the next up for Temple is uh, December 17th. This Saturday, they play at Ole Miss on the road in Oxford. That's going to be on the SEC network in terms of television. And then after that, it's, like you said, Maryland Eastern Shore, a couple of you know winnable games. Maryland Eastern Shore on the 20th, ECU on the 28th. And by that point, of course, you're in a conference play, New Year's Day game against Cincy, and you're off and running. But uh, if I'll ask you this final question before we get to a couple of mailbag questions and then get into some football recruiting. To close things out here, if you're Aaron McKee, do you do anything? Do you head down to Oxford and say, I'm changing up the starting lineup? Like, do you go back to bringing Caleb Bat off the bench? Do you try to bring Damian Dunn off the bench and start Jaleel White? I, I would have to imagine, again, I'm not getting this. I haven't talked to Damian Dunn in a couple of weeks, but the two back-to-back 17-point games and then the last two games against St. Joe's on December 6th and then last Saturday against Penn, a combined 14 points, 5 of 17 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3 on Saturday. Do you, is the solution to put one of those guys back off the bench so they're sort of overlapping? Because 
yes, we've seen a couple of instances where it looks like they can coexist on the floor at the same time, and it's ultimately on the staff to figure that out. But what, what would you do? Would you tinker with the starting lineup at all, or do you just hope that they're going to work through this? What do, you, what do you do here? I think any changes you make to the starting lineup, you're not doing for an X's and O's perspective. Like, I, I understand why you said it, and you just tried to apply, like, logic to it, where you go, okay, well, maybe, like, Amari Abram was a, a top 75 recruit coming out of high school for Ole Miss, and he's having a good freshman year. And maybe you need to mix this up. You can get Jaleel on him, blah, blah. I think any changes you're making are just, look, we're trying to spice things up. Like, it's a stagnant team right now that, like, needs a shot in the arm. And maybe that involves Dame coming off the bench. Maybe I, they've tried KB off the bench, and to be quite frank, like, he's better starting. Like, he seemed, whether it's engaged or whatever it might be, like, I feel like that experiment's over and he has to continue to start. But maybe you go with one of those lineups we talked about in the beginning where it's KB, Dame, Zach Hicks, Jaleel, and Jordan or Jameel Reynolds. And maybe you put Hysir off the bench. Like, I don't know. I think anything you're doing at this point is literally just like, let's see what else we got. Like, there has to be a, a come to Jesus moment for some of these guys that shows them, like, you're not untouchable. Like, you need to stay focused. And you need to do this. Um, and, or it needs to just be like, look, we just need this new, see new blood. Honestly, you saw this. You know who was good with stuff like this? Dunphy had a couple moments in his career where he did things like this. You saw it where um, in 2008, where from he goes from not playing to all of a sudden Craig Williams is star is a, a big part of their rotation. Like I wonder if maybe this opens up the opportunity for guys like Shane Dazoni to maybe get more more burn just because the roster that's been out there and lineup and out there is six and five when this should be, it could have been nine and three at this point. It could have been 10 and two at this point or 10 and one at this point. It could also have been three and six at this point. So I keep screwing up my, my game totals, but you get what I'm saying. Like it could have been one or the other. I think there's going to, if I'm Aaron McKee, I'm making some move to the starting lineup. I think it probably involves getting Jaleel White back in the starting lineup, but it also wouldn't surprise me if down the bench, you're like, okay, let's get Shane Zoni in there a little bit. Let's see if in the, with our rotational bigs, if, if Jordan needs to play that small five more, if we want to go with more of a traditional set and all of a sudden you see Emmanuel Akpomo out there, like I, something needs to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of mailbag questions here to close out. Basketball talk before we get into to football recruiting and a couple of roster developments. First one comes from, again, these are screen names from our basketball uh, subscribers from the basketball message board. The first one comes from Park Al. Park Al's question, is Temple basketball in a better place today than it was on april 2nd 2019 when aaron mckee took over it's a great question <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a very very good question i think they're in a better place than where they were april 8th of 2018 or whenever whenever it got announced that like mckee was going to like take over mm -hmm. i think they're in a better place now than they were then I think that first year of McKee, like kind of being like the man in waiting, is when they got like like Nate Pierre Louis was coming in, and like you started getting like some things. Quentin Rose was getting more established. I think they're in about the same place now as they were three years ago. Mm -hmm. I think this was the year where it was finally like everything was going towards this year. The recruiting was going towards this year. Caleb Battle was finally going to be healthy. Damian Dunn was going to be a fourth year guy. This was the year they were going to make a run to the. Mm -hmm round 32 or sweet 16 and there's nothing saying they can't do that they can still get hot but like as of right now dealing with things in front of me i think they're i think you've copy and pasted last year's season into this season with mm -hmm. results and that's disappointing uh but i'll say they're in the same shape yeah same shape or just in a very literal sense 
I don't know that you could say they're in a better place because, again, you could be Fran Dumphy's biggest critic in the world, but, again, we're comparing a 13-year resume to a 4-year resume, but Dumpf got them to the tournament several times. And, and, yes, do people want more than two NCAA tournament wins out of Fran Dumphy? There's no question Fran Dumphy wouldn't contest that himself, but I don't know that you could say they're in a better place. I agree with you. The best you could give them is about the same place. And the thing that concerns they don't have that light at the end of the tunnel coming, right? Mm-hmm. Like last, like in 2019, you're like, okay, McKee's coming in, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Last year, you're like, okay, hey, next year is the year with all these things happen. My concern is, what are we talking about in four months? Mm-hmm. Like, if let's let's say, let's just say they don't get it together and they go 17 and 13 and they they don't make the tournament. Well, C- Caleb Bell is probably gone. Damian Dunn's probably Dunn's gone. Probably gone. Uh, so like now you're looking at okay now we're replacing our top two guards and Zion Stanford I I I think Zion Stanford's the best defensive player in the city I like Zion Stanford I don't think Zion Stanford's coming and giving you 35 minutes right off the bat I think he carves out a role eventually and then he's like a sophomore junior senior guy mm-hmm. granted recruiting in 2023 is a lot different than 2021 but or 2013 but do you have to re- you're going to rely on the transfer portal for a guard mm-hmm. two guards and. I don't know if that's something that you want to put all of your eggs in that basket. Yeah, you have to hope that Heiser Miller, you have to re-recruit Heiser Miller, Zach Hicks, anybody who's currently on the roster. You have to hope that Heiser takes a big step forward, Zach Hicks takes a big step forward. You have to hope that you hit um, Deuce Roberts, that that Tosh Sweet plays a role for you, that you keep Jamil Reynolds. I mean, yeah, it's you're right. There is no definite or definitive light at the end of the tunnel they're in a weird weird spot and i agree with you i don't, the only way i see them generating any noise in march is if you can get a couple of wins against i mean they play houston twice they play memphis twice as well right correct memphis I mean, finally has to come back to, for the to philadelphia for the first time like four yeah years. i mean if you can split and i make this sound easier than it is if you can split with those programs then you say all right Maybe this chance, maybe, excuse me, maybe this team has a chance of doing something in the conference tournament in March, but woof, just a bad look to be losing by 20 to, to Penn. Uh, the other mailbag question here pertaining to basketball from Mike TB31 from, again, our, our basketball message board. True or false, Temple makes the tournament at least once with Aaron as the coach. You go first. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I like, I'm generally the type of person that likes to see people succeed when I'm covering them, whether that's in Philly or Jersey or wherever I'm working. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, for their sake, I want to believe it. I want the answer for, for this fan base to be true, but I, I, if you're asking me right now, coming off of Saturday's game, I say the answer is false. But, right. You know, it sounds so weak to say this. Talk to me in a few weeks if they if they get this thing figured out. I just think they have so many more questions than answers right now, and I, I don't know what the roadmap is. Right now, I'm going to have to say, until I see evidence of it, I say false. But that's then that leads us into the conversation of, and I hate, you know, I hate speculating about people's jobs, but he's in year four. Right. You know, what do you, what's the conversation with Aaron after the year? If they go, if it's another seven or 18 win season and there's no progress, what happens? Does he have to make some staff changes? Does he come back? And then if you if he comes back and you, there's some staff changes or you just run it back with the same staff and Damian Dunn is gone and Caleb Battle is gone, 
how do you head into next season saying, yep, that's a tournament team, unless, unless again, Heisier Miller, Zach Hicks, Deuce Roberts gives you something. You have a couple of transfer portal additions. Jamil Reynolds sticks around, and you're like, okay, now this is, you know, in a weird way, we never thought we'd be saying this. It's addition by subtraction. This is a more cohesive team, a cohesive unit, but it, I, I just don't see enough right now to say, yep, yeah, they're definitely going to make the tournament at least once with Aaron as head coach. I'm not saying that it won't happen, but it's, I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'll pretty much echo all of that. I, I think in uh, situations like this, you're forced to just go off of what you know and what you've seen as opposed to projecting. I mean, if a month from now, if it's January 14th and you go, oh, crap, like they reeled off seven more and now they're 13 and five and hey, they're gonna, they beat Memphis on that Sunday. Like, okay, then we can talk then. But until then, like I'm forced to just go off what I've seen. And what I've seen right now is that while this team has shown flashes, and I still think there's scenarios, like I still think that Rutgers win is going to look good. I still think that Villanova win is going to look good. There's also the fact like you have so many blemishes on you that mm-hmm. I don't think they make the tournament this year as of right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we're talking to you next week, we'll have the, you know, the uh, the Ole Miss game in the rearview mirror. We'll see where things stand there. Uh, we do have a lot of. Um, you know, re- recruiting updates, football recruiting updates to bring to you. Again, uh, a week from today, uh, Temple will hope to be signing, you know, most of the, the or if not all of the current committed players they have. Again, there's the early signing period on December 21st. Then they can sign players in the late period in February. As of now, Temple has 16 verbal commitments from the 2023 class since we last recorded uh, decommitment with Cole Skinner, which is, again, these guys have to come to college and play, but still a loss for that class considering the uh, the, the need that they have along the offensive line. Uh, we don't want to give away the store here because we've got some good subscriber content up on the site right now. Uh, as we're approaching next week's signing day, um, just to give you a little bit of a sampling of it, you know, Temple is currently, as of now, as we're recording this, Temple is trying to, uh, we've got a story up on the site right now where Temple's trying to flip uh, a current Cincinnati commit. Breaking uh, news. No longer uh, a Cincinnati commit. Decommitted about 10 months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Which would lead me to believe, and I probably shouldn't guess at this, would lead me to believe that he's visiting Temple this week. Yeah. So if you are not subscribed yet to alscoop.com, now would be a good time. We're going to be your best source for recruiting information heading into that December 21st signing day next week. Uh, uh, Kyle had talked to uh, EJ Wilson uh, Florida, FIU, right? FIU. FIU running back. Um, Kyle was able to talk to him without, again, without giving away the whole story there. What what, what can you tell tell our listeners here to entice them a little bit about that? Um, I think he has some pretty telling quotes. Uh, he was a great kid. Uh, I think, in general, the recruitment of him is probably telling of some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be brewing. Nothing like major. I don't want to make it seem like there's some catastrophic thing coming right, right, down right. the pike. But I think there that uh, not to give away too much. I think Temple's realizing they need to bring an upperclassman into that room. Um, but yeah, I would follow him. I'm gonna say I'm back on my bullshit. I think I've covered like five kids in the last like week. You have throwing it out there. Who else you know putting up these numbers covering Temple <laughs> football recruiting? Nobody, just me. <laughs> um. You also talked to, again, just a quick skim the surface on this one. You talked to St. Francis defensive lineman Sebastian Benjamin, uh, a guy with Philly ties. So they're obviously, you know, you lose a Darian Varner there. He's more of a, an edge rusher, had a good, 
good game early on in the season that shows you what he can do. What can you tell readers about and, and listeners about him without, again, uh, without giving away the whole story? Mm-hmm. Originally from Northeast High School, an all-NEC um, defensive end linebacker. Temple's viewing him more as kind of like that Leighton Jordan role of you're an outside linebacker, but like you're pass rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, his decision that he just fish, he just officially visited Western Kentucky. He's visiting somewhere else this weekend that's blanking me. He's planning uh, to visit Temple in the future. But a lot more uh, details there, so I'd follow mm-hmm. follow that uh, one as well. Um, and then uh, again, if he, I mean this, you know, we're uh, hoping to lock down an interview with him uh, pretty soon. Temple's going to be again a lot of uh, official visitors this week. We are going to have a story again. If you are subscribed to Al Scoop, you will be uh, in the know on this. We are going to have a, a rundown of the the players who are slated to officially visit Temple this weekend, and uh, obviously maybe the most important official visit weekend for them heading into next week's signing day. Another guy who is going to be visiting. If you follow Kyle on Twitter, you know that Lavelle Dumont, uh, a grad transfer, grad transfer offensive lineman from Toledo, correct? Correct. So, you know, again, with the combination of just, you know, again, if you're a Temple football fan, if you watched a few minutes of, of Temple football, you know about the struggles on the offensive line, both in terms of depth, experience, talent, staying healthy, I think there are maybe, you know, two guys, if you were to talk to Chris Wiesahan, that he would probably feel really good about. Again, both these guys need, you know, they need experience. They need reps. They need to continue to work, develop their bodies, stay healthy. But, uh, you know, talking about James Famineau and, uh, and of course, uh, Victor Stoffel, but you're losing Adam Klein. You're losing uh, Isaac Moore, Wisdom Quarshi, and guys like Bryce Thoman, Jim Tuobadegu, developmental guys at best. Do they ever get better? We don't know. But bottom line is the offensive line needs help there. So you, you can see what they're doing in terms of looking around in the portal in terms of any uh, late offers. And then, of course, with with Jose Barbone, again, since we last recorded with you guys and, and, uh, and uh, delivered last week's episode, Jose Barbone has declared for the NFL draft. A um, couple questions for you, Kyle. Obvious question. What does that do to the receiver room? And then were you surprised by his decision? Or do you think this was like, hey, I don't want to come back as like a you know, sixth year wide out. Now's the time to declare. Were you anticipating this? And and uh, beyond that, what does it do to the receiver room? Um, anticipating, maybe not. But it's one of those things that once it happens, you go like, oh, crap. Like, well, yeah, of course it was going to happen. Because like, you know, like you said, you don't want to be a 24-year-old, 25-year-old rookie. And this would have been his sixth year at Temple at this point. Um, I think obviously it hurts Temple's wide receiver room, right? Like you just lost like your number one wide receiver that set a fair amount of records. Uh, I think there's still a decent amount of talent there. Like Amad Anderson had a pretty good end to his season. Um, he was averaging like 75 yards a game over the, the last five or six games of the year. Um, I think Zay Baines came into it. Ian Stewart showed flashes in the beginning, especially in the red zone um, before he went down with a foot injury. I think I I think they were always going to bring somebody into this from the transfer portal. I think that was always the plan, but this puts more of an emphasis on the fact that you probably need somebody in there. I said this on uh, Sean's podcast as well. I think one of the benefits of Temple's offense, I think Danny Langsdorf does a really good job of, of scheming open wide receivers. Like there was a lot of times when Tonica Sanders and Jose Barbon were were open in the offense. Um, so I think I think this is where you're really going to see like okay. Does the allure of EJ Warner like hold water? Like mm-hmm. they, we've heard people talking about, like okay, they're going to recruit off EJ Warner. When I talked to the FIU running back, he mentioned EJ Warner as a selling point. If you're a wide receiver, can 
they can point to Jose and say, look, there's 75 catches and 900 plus yards on the table here that we're waiting for. So uh, I get why people are upset and they're like, well, why didn't he come back for a six year? Uh, I'm a Temple fan. I want him to do this. But like from a him perspective, it makes a lot of sense to me that he just said, like, look, what am I going to do next year outside of maybe winning the Bolitnikov that was going to increase my draft stock? Like I put I have plenty of film here at this point. Um, I'm an undersized wide receiver. Like with wide receivers, it's such a crapshoot that I think you just need to get into the NFL or get into a camp as early on as you can and see if you can stick. Uh, another thing we uh Another thing to mention they're bringing in is another guy who's going to be visiting, and they offered him, right? Kyler Halverson, a, a, a transfer portal kicker out of um, Hawaii. Out, out of Hawaii. And, like, actually from Hawaii. Like, he's from, like, Oahu. So, like, we're about to get, like, a winter storm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this kid's flying in. He's bringing the winter with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you view that as a camden price has come back for one more uh, for another season and this is someone who's coming in to compete with them or no, i view it as jacob lafrey 2.0 mm-hmm. i think they've realized like um like they need to be able to put the ball in the back of the end zone on kickoffs mm-hmm. which is fair and like he this is what uh kyler uh what is it? halverson that was his last name um yes. what he does really well like he does that at a, at a clip like temple only had three or four touchbacks the entire season and he can he does touchbacks like a 65 percent clip mm-hmm. uh i think if you're recruiting him you probably say look year one obviously you're going to compete with cam to price best player is going to play we just went through that with hey rory bell lost his job to cam to price and then he took it off but i think what you're really probably telling him is worst case scenario you're a kickoff specialist for a year and then next year you have the inside track at being our full-time place kicker mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think it's another situation where if you can read between the lines and read the tea leaves there's probably a reason that there is going to be a an opportunity for another scholarship kicker mm-hmm. last guy i'll ask you about before we, we close things out here and again uh keep your eyes peeled we are we are going to have an updated story for our subscribers about uh who you can anticipate as a temple fan uh keeping an eye on who's going to come in for official visits this weekend, uh, another guy that they're involved with is a uh, Florida transfer, Dewan Black. Uh, interesting story, things that work out for him at Florida. What, what do you make of this one? Yeah, um, a, a guy who signed with Florida out of high school, then went Juco and then signed with Florida out of Juco again. It looked like when you looked in the spring that Billy Napier was very high on him. I think he said he was like the the poster boy of what our process is about. He's really bought in. And then he got dismissed from the program about eight mm-hmm. months later. So mm-hmm. I, if I had to guess, I really don't know anything. I don't think there's anything like super malicious there. If, if I really had to guess, I would say it's a situation where a junior college player who only has a, a handful of games left in his career, you know, 24 opportunities or whatever, was probably a little frustrated that he wasn't playing on a team that was underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's a situation where if he, if he came to Temple, I think they would like him as, as an edge um, and, and Antoine Smith was the one that made the in-home visit with him. That's the ob- obvious spot where they really need to plug in somebody with Darian Varner uh, entering the transfer portal. So I think that's another position that they are uh, scouring the, you know, the transfer portal for. Mm-hmm. So again, before we close things out here, just a reminder uh, to, you know, stay locked in on alscoop.com. Again, Temple, as we're sitting here today recording on Wednesday afternoon, uh, they stand at 16 verbal commitments uh, in this 2023 class. As most of you know, there's sometimes some movement. Either guys might sign later on, 
the staff will obviously closely evaluate these guys, look at their look at their fall season film, see if they still like these guys as much as they did when they offered them, when they committed over the summer or back in the spring. Uh, are all 16 guys going to sign next week? We'll see, but we will be committed to getting you the latest information and, of course, some stories on uh, players who are visiting this weekend. So stay tuned to the site. We'll have the latest and best and most reliable information for you guys. Putting up numbers. Putting up numbers. Um Kyle, any uh, closing thoughts, any words of wisdom before we close out this episode? Yeah, one thing. Wolf, don't we don't have any more mailback questions? I thought we had some. Um, oh, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, but wait. Before, I, I have something to say. About, I have, I have things to say about the transfer portal. Anyway. Yes. I think one thing to remember, with if you're a Temple fan here, is the transfer portal window that mm-hmm. ends January 18th and starts back up in May is just a window to enter the portal. These guys do not have to make their decision by January 18th. 17th a lot of them will because they want to get in for the spring semester and they want to get in in january and figure that out but like adonicus sanders did not uh did not sign until like didn't come into like may or june last year i was in new hope sitting next to a river watching boats go by and i got this thing about adonicus sanders coming so i think there's going to be a fair amount of commitments in the next you know six days i think they're going to sign the vast majority of those high school kids and they're probably going to add a couple of transfers from this weekend but I think there's also going to be a, a handful of scholarships that are still available next next spring, this upcoming spring. In addition to, I think there, you're going to see people do what happened last year where they wait until the first day of the spring semester to enter the portal because then they lock in their scholarship at their current school for the spring semester. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw a fair a handful of Temple players did, do that last year just to lock in. Like, hey, I want to finish my degrees, but I'm still a semester away, so... Mm-hmm. Another thing to look out for is what's Leighton Jordan going to do? Mm-hmm. Is he staying? Is he going? Is he going to the NFL? Is he entering the portal? Is he coming back for a sixth year? I think there's still a fair amount of roster movement in in flux. I would say they probably need to add a quarterback. I would say they need to add offensive linemen. They need to add defensive linemen. I think they still want to add a safety. They add a wide receiver. Like The transfer portal is going to be fairly active for Temple. Yeah. Uh, we do have one Learn last... some new names. Yes. Uh, we do have uh, one last mailbag question here to close things out. Uh, the screen name, we just call him Al to the 8th degree. Are they doing a signing day event this year or no? Uh, the answer to that is uh, Temple's not going to have an in-person event next week. Temple is going to have a show and broadcast on ESPN Plus that evening to uh, discuss the new signees. And then uh, I've been told that they're likely going to have an in-person event after the, the signing day in February. So no event for fans next week, but... It sounds like you can anticipate the athletic department having one in February. So, yeah, going to be uh, recruiting heavy, football recruiting heavy coverage over the next week or so. Again, Temple is going to try to get the ship righted. Uh, basketball, uh, that is, uh, at Ole Miss this weekend. Uh, but otherwise, we're going to be locked in on, on football recruiting. So uh, appreciate you guys sticking with us for another episode. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>